If you have your Bibles with you on today, <clears throat> and I do understand that we have some bad weather coming our way, so if you give me about 10 minutes, I promise you I'm going to have you out of here. I'm going to set a Bible study record in shallow. <laughs> but in the book of Colossians, the, um, the fourth chapter, we'll read verses two through six, the book of Colossians, chapter four, um, verses two through six. The NIV translation of that group of scripture reads as follows, devote yourselves to prayer, uh, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us, too, that God may open the door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as it should. Be wise in the way you act toward others, outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. That's the word of our Lord for the people of God. Thanks be unto God. So we're all familiar with the book of Colossians. We understand that um, Paul wrote the book of Colossians. We understand that it was in Paul's, um, his first imprisonment in Rome where he wrote this book of Colossians. We also understand that although he wrote this letter to the Colossians church, Paul himself never ever visited um, Colossians or Colossians. But he heard of what was going on um, by the gentleman who did, Epaphras, who was the founder of the Colossians church. Um, and so in his conversation with Paul, he explained to Paul everything that was going on. And basically what was going on in the Colossians church, the um, Jews, Jewish belief and the Gentile beliefs and practices they were combining them, um, creating sort of a hybrid religion that no longer resembled true Christianity. Um, so the purpose of the book of Colossians was to oppose false teaching and practices by exalting Christ as the one who holds supremacy over all and in whom trust, true wisdom is to be found. So, which means that the content of Colossians is Christ's superiority over human teaching and implications for Christian conduct. And that's where I want to have our lesson on today. We're going to discuss um, Christian conduct. Um, so, why is Christian, and, and I hope you guys know by now, I'm so a little different from Pastor. I um, like a little dialogue and in my Bible study. So um, I may ask some questions from time to time and solicit answers from you guys. 
Um, so why is Christian conduct important? Why is Christian conduct important? Don't everybody raise their hand at once. Okay. I okay. I saw some else hand go up in the back. What is Christian conduct? So thank you, guys. So the Bible is replete, replete meaning the Bible is full of verses that link Christian conduct um, and with how the world sees Christ. And if we are to be his, his people, his chosen people, then our conduct should not look like anyone else's. Our conduct should display a different mindset, a different actions toward situations that going on. Just think about um, in New Orleans, they woke up to flooding waters. And so Christians should be handling that situation differently than people who are not connected. True indeed, everybody is dealing with probably some loss here or another. There are some cars that are under water right now. But if we know that um, God gave us everything that we have, our actions towards what we're losing should be a little different. But Christian conduct is how the world sees us. The Bible has several Bible verses that should come to our mind. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Another verse, by their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and that generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. Another verse in 1 Peter says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Paul in Philippians wrote it this way, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So is this Christian journey going to be difficult? The answer is yes. It's not meant for it to be an easy. Are we going to find ourselves having some problems along this Christian journey? That answer is yes too. But no matter what unexpected disruptions and frustrations or difficulties come our way, we ought to respond with a Christ-like attitude. We should we should be standing firm and striving for the faith. Um, Paul in Philippians once again wrote, your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. He is talking about demonstrating humility and selflessness in relationship. Um, in Ephesians, Paul encouraged us to be imitators of Christ as dearly beloved children. As children love to imitate what they see and repeat what they hear, we almost are charged to imitate the model Christ behavior and to be clear reflections of, of the Lord. So with those verses in mind, let's look at what Paul gave to the church of Colossians to, um, 
to be a, a list of ways that Christians should conduct themselves. So in verse 4, I'm sorry, Colossians, the fourth chapter, the second verse says, devote yourselves to prayer. Um, then it says, being watchful and thankful. How do we devote ourselves to prayer? What does that word devote mean? The word devote is more or less a commitment, a commitment to, to prayer without being diverted from any other, other business. Um, we, just like we get up in the morning to get dressed for work at a certain time every day, we should do the same thing that relates to our prayer life. We should set a, a time. This is my time to talk to my God, and that's it, nothing else. Not, oh, I got a little, I got two minutes, let me go ahead and say a quick prayer. But we should make a commitment to prayer. Why? Because in Psalms, the sixth, um, sixth Psalms, the ninth verse says, God hears all prayers. So if we know he's listening to us, why not take the time to talk to us? But then if we journey over to the 65th Psalm in that second verse, that verse tells us that God answers prayers. So why not pray to a prayer-hearing God that we know is going to answer our prayers, but being committed to praying? Then he said, be watchful. Be watchful. Pay attention. The, the message version says, stay alert, that when we are praying to remove ourselves from any possible disturbances or any other things. We're so easily triggered not to pray. We, we're so, things go on in our lives, the first thing we don't do is come to church, as if the church is the problem. Um, we should be watchful, we should stay alert, we should pay attention to everything that's going on in our lives. So when we are praying, we're praying for things. Now God sees all, he hears all, he knows all. Um, but what is it like when we pray to him about those things, that we know we're giving those things over unto him? So he says, devote yourselves to prayer, be watchful. Um, and still in that second verse, he says, be thankful. One of the things I've found myself doing, I, I ask God for blessings every day, but forget to thank him for the ones he already has given me. Wake up in the morning, I'm asking God to make sure I get to work safe. I'm asking God to make sure my day goes okay. But yet, I want to thank him for waking me up. We got to be thankful. Um, Paul was telling the church of, of Colossians to be thankful. Um, so, an acknowledgement of the mercies received. Thanksgiving is a part of our everyday prayer. Um, like I say, we're so accustomed to always asking keep asking and keep asking versus saying, you know what, God, instead of asking you for anything today, let me just tell you thank you. Thank you simply because you've been good to me. So moving on to verse 3. In Paul's conversation to the Colossian church, he's saying, pray for us too that God may open the door for our message. 
that God may open a door for our message. What is our message? I was in, hmm? Our message. What is our message? What is our message? Everybody's message is going to be a different message. If your journey with Christ is, we, in, in our young adult Bible study class, we were talking about how our relationships with God is tailored for us. I can't praise God for the way you praise God and for the things you praise God. I got to praise God for how he blessed me. So your message is going to be different from his message, and your message is going to be different. But the way we live our lives becomes our message. What people see, what people hear, when they look at us, what do they say? Do they say, man, I know there's something about that person that's peculiar, something about that person that I just can't put my hands on, but something that makes them stand out from everybody. That's, that becomes our message. Why we can walk around smiling when in New Orleans we flooding everywhere. Somebody's still walking around with a song on their mouth, on their hearts, on their lips. That's because they have a message. So Paul is saying, pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ and for which I am in chains. Either Paul was saying, thinking, pray for us for... Um, the opportunity to preach the gospel. So he's probably saying, so he says, a great door and effectual is open unto me. Um, two, he's saying, give us the ability and courage and enable us with freedom and faithfulness to preach our message. Um, Paul also was saying um, that we have the utterance to be given to us that we may open our mouths boldly and speak the mystery of Christ. Um, that is either the deepest doctrine of the gospel with plainness of which Christ is the principal subject. When we talk about this journey that we're on, when we're trying to help others along their journey, we got to preach Christ and not ourselves. We can tell them about our journey, but our journey is for us. We got to preach to them Christ and him crucified. Or else he means that the preaching of the gospel to the Gentile world, which he's called the mystery hidden from ages and the mystery of Christ for which he is bound. We know why Paul was arrested so many times. We know why he spent time and time in jail, but Paul never let that stop him. He continued to write to all the churches that he wrote to while he was behind bars. And just as he wrote this letter to the Colossians church, he wrote in the mindset of, I need to make sure they understand that they need to live for Christ. And then in verse four, he said, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. We talk once again in our Bible study class that God would never tell us anything that's confusing to us. That when he talks to us, he's going to make it as clear as he possibly can. 
So when we find ourselves in conversation with others talking about the Christ and the God that we serve, our conversation should be just as plain, just as clear, just as simple so they can understand exactly what it is that we're talking about. Yeah, for sure, we can say God healed my body. We can say that I had nothing and he gave me something. We can say we didn't know where our next meal was going to come from. Then a knock happened on the door and somebody had a plate of food in their hands. We can say we had bills to pay and didn't have the money to pay it, but the life still stayed on for some reason. Turned the faucet and the water was still coming out of the spigot. We can tell them, we can tell them those stories, but a lot of the stuff, if they're not believers, they won't, really won't understand it. So we have to make our messages clear. Paul was telling Colossians, when you talk to folks, tell them the clear message so they can understand that God can do anything that he says he can do, and this is what he did for me. So going on to verse 5 is where we're going to spend the bulk of the remainder of our time together. He said, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make most of every opportunity. So if Christian conduct, if Christians conduct themselves no differently from the outside world, then what good is it to be a Christian? If we walk out that door or we, and we act just like someone else who is not a believer, what good are we to the world of people being lost? So if indeed the outside world is watching us, and yes, the outside world is watching us, and they see no difference between themselves and Christians, what motivation are we giving them um, to change their lifestyle? We're not really giving them any motivation. I always use as an example when weather comes or bad problems happen in our lives, if we're if we're walking around, and I use the term kicking rocks, if we're walking around and we're upset and we're saying whatever, whenever, however we want to say it, if someone who's an unbeliever see that, what are they going to think? And in the midst of our complaining and fussing and groaning or whatever we're doing, not one time do we say, God, this is, this is you take the wheel. If we're not doing any of that, then how are we helping an unbeliever? Unfortunately, we're not, okay? So Paul is explaining to the Colossian church, we have to be careful on, or be wise in the way we act toward outsiders. It may not be directly toward the outsiders. It may be indirectly. For as Paul mentioned, and as I mentioned earlier, because they're watching us. They're watching our every move. And they're asking themselves the question, why should I be a Christian? Why should I be a Christian? And then they're going to watch us to see what benefit we're showing them that being a Christian, it really is. It's more than just coming to church on a Sunday, putting on our Sunday best. It's more than just saying, oh, Jesus saves. It's more than just that. It's how we live our lives is going to convince them or motivate them to change their lives. <clears throat> and so thinking, thinking of that and knowing that the outsiders are watching us, the Great Commission is what? What is the Great Commission? Mm-hmm. Make disciples of all nations. 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But it says, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. How are we to teach? How are we to teach if our conduct is not what our conduct should be? By example, by example. So when in the Great Commission in Matthews, when it says teaching them to observe all things, what are things we're teaching the outside world to observe? If our conduct is not really what our conduct really should be. How many times have we walked up to someone that we knew was in some trouble and we just said, hey, I, I can't help you. I can't save you from your problems, but let me say a quick prayer for you because I know prayer really works. How many times have we taken the last that we've had and given to someone who was in need, knowing that my God is gonna supply all my needs, but let me give you what I have. How many times have we saw someone who, who needed, how many times have we been under the bridge and given at least one person something, even if we couldn't feed all of them or we couldn't give something to all of them? Be wise the way we act toward outsiders making the most of every opportunity. To be sure, no unbelievers would be saved by the good works of Christians. The gospel must be presented. They can see that, oh, that person lives his life pretty decently. They, they're not out trying to do anyone wrong, but that's not going to save an unbeliever. What's going to save an unbeliever is when we give them the gospel, or we, we preach to them, or we offer to them the gospel. But furthermore, we know that even when we are at our best, or when we think we're at our best, or when we feel we're at our best, we're still prone to sin. But yet, the gospel is much more likely to be received positively if it is presented by a person who is humble and gentle than a person who is rude and, and cantankerous. So because we know that we're prone to sin, we can't beat somebody else up when they're going through their troubles or when we see a, someone who we know doing wrong. We can't, God doesn't like that. We can't beat that person up. We gotta be gentle. We have to be generous because so when we sin, Although God chastises us, he still forgives us when we ask him, right? He still takes care of us when, um, as he sees fit. So we have to be humbled. We have to uh, be gentle when we interact with those who are on the outside, making, uh, taking great opportunity that we have to give them the gospel. Our actions can either help or hinder the gospel. Our actions are either help or hinder the gospel. As the saying goes, God can draw a straight line with a crooked stick. But imagine how easy it would be if the stick was less crooked. God can change anybody's life. God can do things that we can't even Imagine, I stopped trying to figure it out. I stopped trying to figure it out and just started laughing about it. I, I, 
God does things, and it's, it's amazing. And most of you guys know I, I own my own construction business. And so my, my story is there is no every Friday a check is going to be in the bank for me. There is no every other Friday that check is going to be in the bank for me. So when I say I trust God, I'm telling you I really trust God because I can get toward the end of one thing, and I can get five more phone calls, and I just laugh. They'll go God being God. God protecting and taking care of, of his people. So I stopped trying to figure it out and just started to, to be thankful for him for everything that he um, has already done in my life. Now, once again, that doesn't mean that I'm perfect. That doesn't mean that every time he blesses me with a financial blessing, I'm always giving my tithe. I try to, I want to hold on to that. And so it's, it's a part of the, the Christian struggle, right? But still in all, even, even because we are like we are, even although on our best days we're not the greatest, when we think we are the greatest, he still continues um, to bless us. But what if that strick was less crooked? What if that stick were less crooked? How much more that God will come in our lives and bless us? We, we know we are crooked sticks. We we admit that we are crooked six, but how much easier would it be if we were less crooked? So what does that mean in our Christian journey? What does that mean if we were less crooked? That means we try to do more good than more wrong. We try to say the right stuff. Go ahead, my sister. Yes, ma'am. And God would take control of that conversation in a heartbeat and give that person everything that they need. Because everybody is different. Everybody's journey has been different. Everybody's levels of understanding is different. So you can you can't tell me at the age of five that God sees all, and I'm like, where is God? But if you tell me now at the age of 41 that God sees all, I'm nervous and I'm scared. Because I understand it. Go ahead, son. That God uses the sinner to spread his word. God can use anybody, anything, anytime that he wants to spread his word. So it's not just the sinner. I mean, because we all are sinners. We're sinners saved by grace. So... So my response to that would be, I believe that I'm the lowest of the lowest, but yet God seen favor in me and used me to spread his word. So we, we, all are, we all are sinners, and yes, God will use all of us to continue to spread his 
continue to spread his word. Just because we, we stand up every Sunday behind the, the pulpit preaching, that doesn't mean that we are perfect. You know, just because we're greeting others at the door doesn't mean that we're perfect or we teach. That just means God saw favor in our lives and chose to use us for his work. No, you didn't. Hey, every person, look around you. I'm going to tell you when I don't see a sinner. <laughs> All of us in this place are sinners, my brother. <laughs> a sinner saved by grace. Preach, boy. God can do anything he wants. Don't, 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 don't overlook that. But until I experience him as my personal faith, I'm just a child of years by, uh, 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 because I, I want the universe. Mm -hmm. But if So, thank you, my brother. I appreciate that. So, when Paul says, be wise, be wise the way we act towards outsiders, uh, we know that Jesus never alleviated anyone from anything. Salvation is made available to everyone. But we receive salvation when we believe. And so when Paul says unbelievers, these are people who, one, maybe have not been exposed to a, 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 a conversation that would get them to believe, or someone who just chooses not to believe. But when Paul was saying be wise in the way we act towards unbelievers, because we are walking in this world full of people who really don't believe. My mom and my daddy, and I'm pretty sure most people in this building can say that our parents drugged us to church. I got tired of church as a little boy because that's what our parents did and we didn't understand it. But now, let that church door open right there. I'm finding myself as close to a church, I don't care where I am, I'm, I'm finding myself as close to a group of body of believers as I possibly can. Because once again, we all have that story how God brought us over from what we used to do from where we are now, all right? So when Paul says unbelievers, it's unfortunate we have a world. We even talk about our president in his talk and his actions seeming to be someone who don't believe. And we all have our different, our, you know, our different mindset toward our president. But at the end of the day, we should also be careful on how we act towards him taking advantage of every opportunity to pray for our president because he's not doing nothing God is not allowing him to do. I mean, he's been in office almost three years. He's, he's never been at my front door. So I can say God is protecting me from our crazy president. So at the end of the day, when, God, when Paul is writing to the church at Colossians and say, be wise, 
be wise the way we act toward outside. Because God is listening. God is looking at us. He, he sees everything that we do. So we have to be careful on how we handle his people. Because whether they're unbelievers or not, they're still his people. There's nothing in this world that he didn't create. So we have to be careful on how we handle things that God made. He made this world and everything, everything in it. And everybody in it. So once again, um, as Christians, how do we take advantage of every opportunity? Make the most of every opportunity. Is it just because we, we grab our Bible and we tote it under our arm? Is that us making um, the most of every opportunity? Oh, I'm sorry. Sure. Thank you, my sister. I like to say I owed a debt I couldn't pay, and he paid a debt that he didn't owe. That's the gospel to me. Yes, sir. tell you um, what you just said. And what you just said is no different than any one of us that's sitting here. We all want a better relationship. 
for Christ. We all sinners. We all find ourselves in positions and things that we shouldn't be. It's Paul said, the things I should do, that's what I find myself doing. And things I ought to do, I, I don't do those things. We all sinners. We all want a closer relationship. We all want to wake up with that burning desire to just to have Jesus with us. But sometimes it's just, it always doesn't happen that way. Which is why God gave us his, his grace and his, his mercy. So when we're thankful to him, when songwriters say, new mercies I see every, every day, that means I didn't deserve to open my eyes this morning. But yet he gave me another opportunity. But I tell you this, you're in the right place. You're in the right place. It's more than just coming to church on a Sunday morning. Our relationship is built with him, how much we find ourselves studying his word, how much we find ourselves in situations like this, Bible study and Sunday school. That's, that's when we build our relationship with him. We praise him on, oh, we praise him like no tomorrow on a Sunday morning. But it's, it's here where we build our relationship with him. That's why I say you're at the right place.
So let me, let me give you the, the, the perfect model. The, the thing that I love about God the most is that um, his Bible is filled of, of, with rules and, and ways for us to live our lives. But the great thing about him, when John 3.16 said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And giving him to us, he gave us a perfect model to model our Christian lives behind. Jesus maintained a perfect attitude in every situation. He prayed about everything and worried about nothing. We too should seek God's guidance about every aspect of our lives and allow him to work out his perfect will. Jesus' attitude was never to become defensive or discouraged. His goal was to please the Father rather than to achieve his own agenda. In the midst of trials, he was patient. In the midst of suffering, he was hopeful. In the midst of blessings, he remained humble. Even in the midst of ridicule, abuse, and hostility, he made no threats and did not retaliate. Instead, he entrusted himself to the him who judges justly. He entrusted himself to God who judges justly. And that's what each one of us needs to do in this place on today. Use Jesus as our model for, once again, for Christian conduct. If we say, okay, Jesus, show me the way, then we have the perfect model to model our lives behind. But don't you go anywhere after the Bible study is over. We're going to get your information, and we're going to, um, um, Minister Wilcox will get your information. And we hope that not just today, but on Sunday and the next Wednesday and then the following Sunday and then the following Wednesday, that we see you in that same place. I'll tell you, there's a songwriter that says, build your hopes on things eternal. That's the joy that the poor man had in your story. His hope was on something more eternal. This stuff is going to all pass away. Hmm. But if we build our hopes on things eternal um, and hold to God's unchanging hand, everything else in our lives will, will work out exactly how he wants it to work out.
get it. You get it if you follow the one that can give you the peace. I can't give it to you, but I can show you to the one. I can show you to the one. Now, I said I was going to be 10 minutes, so I blame you guys on the last 37 minutes. <laughs> if, all, if all hearts and minds are clear, um, every head is bowed, and I, I'm sorry. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Gracious God, our Father. We come, God, thanking you once again for a blessed opportunity to where we can say the name Jesus and things happen in our lives. We thank you, God, for giving him a name that's above every other name. We thank you, God, for giving him a name that at every knee should bow and every tongue must confess. We thank you, God, for loving us so much. That's in, in, in spite of us, oh God, that you continue to bless us. Now, there are some people, dear God, that's assembled here families that's represented here that, um, that need to hear from you, oh God. Um, so whatever it is, God, whatever your answer is, oh God, we pray, oh God, that you be God and God alone. Um, Paul asked you three times to remove a thorn, and you told Paul no, but you told him that your grace was sufficient, and in our weakness, that's when you are strong. So God, be strong, because we know we're weak. We pray, dear God, that you bless all of those people that are here right now, dear God. We pray that you continue to bless our pastor. Give him rest, oh God. Send him back to us with his soul on burning fire. We pray that you continue to bless his home. Make his home a peace, love, and prayer. Bless us, oh God, as we leave this place, oh God, but never your presence. There's some dangerous weather coming our way, dear God, but we leaning and depending on you that you're going to keep us safe from any hurt, harm, and danger. Bless us now, oh God, and in days to come. I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.